Third time's a charm. Three is a magic number. Hello and welcome to Third Time's a Charm, a show that takes an in-depth look at the third installment of a franchise. This is episode 60, Batman Forever, from 1995, and I'm your host, Master Mike Wayne. And thanks for joining me for a totally batty episode. Joining me today are Brian Rodriguez and Kyle Reinfried from other shows on the network, such as P.S. I Love Hoffman, High School Slumber Party, and Foodie Films. But first, a little correction. It has been brought to my attention by a fan of the show that last episode on the King Kong vs. Godzilla show, I stated that the Criterion Collection did not include the Japanese language version of the film, but that is not true. Thanks to a listener, I've been informed that the superior Japanese cut of King Kong vs. Godzilla is buried, unlabeled, on the extra disc of supplemental material. I just wanted to get that straight because everyone should know and watch that version too. This show has been covering a bunch of Marvel Part 3s recently, but I wanted to switch it up this month, and with the release of a new Batman movie, I figured I would cover one of the two Batman Part 3s out there, and since this new movie has the Riddler in it, it seems fitting that we cover Batman Forever, which this new movie is basically a remake of. Just kidding, but there are a few interesting parallels and connections between this and the new one. We talk Jim Carrey, Robin, the Boy Wonder, and what it means to be toyetic. So grab your Batarang, your trusty sidekick, and remember that TV rots your brain as we review Batman Forever. There used to be a gray and tower alone on the sea. Welcome back to the Bat Cave. It's third time's a charm. And I think we're like some kind of trio on this show sometimes talking about certain superhero movies. Please welcome back to the show. Last time they were on very recently talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. Kyle Reinfried and Brian Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. A joint introduction. Wow. How did that work out between you guys, by the way, doing like the two separate episodes? It worked out well, I think, right? Didn't we just have the same episode on both feeds? Oh, okay. I thought you guys were setting, saying you were going to like edit it to your own style. Yeah, we did. I actually didn't listen to yours, Mike, because I already <laughs> listened to mine. I'll listen to it and, and compare notes. I'll yeah. Ooh. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I listened to enough of yours to know mine was going to be kind of different. It's Mine's just shorter. That's all it is. You want the nice extended cut? The director's cut, you listen to Brian's feed. You want the studio cut, you listen to my feed. Well, I release two episodes a week, and you do once a month, so you have more time to do the shorter cut. Uh, my, I'm, I'm raw like Eddie Murphy. That's how I do it. <laughs> I guess so. But Kyle, you guys get the joint intro when you're on because you guys are podcast bros. You know, you have shows together as well as separately, but you do PSI Love Hoffman, and you recently did licorice pizza so this is nice kind of crossover stuff mike who's the batman and who's the robin of the kyle Bryan duo i just think it's these two batmen duking it out <laughs> in the bat cave from two different dimensions but they're uh sharing a bat cave and that's just the way it is you know our city ha- our city has two heroes but i don't mind being robin he's he's like a almost a teenager i host high school slumber party he works for the circus that's fun I'm pro-Robin. I've always been pro-Robin. Not that I would want to be Robin, but I am pro-Robin in the sense, like, I don't know if it's homophobia or something, but people don't want to put Robin in their movies and it pisses me off. And sorry, spoiler alert, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is not Robin. F that. (laughs) Well, which Robin, what Robin are we talking about? Are we talking Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, Damian Wayne? I mean, there there is a few of them out there. Damon Wayne's for sure. Damon Wayne, no, it's... Damian Wayne, Batman's son. Oh. You know, 
in the comics oh. at this point. Yeah, he's got a son with Talia Al Ghul. He came to oh, Jesus to, Christ. Came to Gotham to murder Batman and discovered he was his father. And so Batman ended up training him. I'm. I, no, oh God, we'll talk about it. Give me Dick as Robin. I want to see that. I want to see that in the Pattinson version. I've already said on my show in a secret episode that just came out, a Twilight review of the Batman or whatever I called it. I want Taylor Lautner to play Robin. Oh, fuck that. Taylor Lautner needs Jesus to be like Christ. Mr. Freeze or something. He shouldn't be in anything. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. When I was a little kid, there was a Robin named Jason Todd. Yeah, Jason Todd's cool. I called a phone number to have the Joker murder him from the back of a comic book. Oh my I god, you're he... such a disturbed child. Oh, that's that famous, like, do you want this guy to die? And everyone said Robin should die. And that's what I hate. Robin is cool. But then he came back as Red Hood. And Red Hood needs to be in the future things. Oh god. Yeah, and the original Red Hood, that's who Joker was before he was Joker. He was, He went by Red Hood. So it was sort of this lineage thing, taunting Batman with the iconography of... With a red motorcycle helmet. Anyway, we're getting kind of off track. There's a lot of uh, Robin in this movie. There's a lot of Robin back in the back behind the scenes of this Batman, I don't know, quadrilogy. There's four of them, I suppose. We're talking tonight about the Warner Brothers 90 series. That started with Tim Burton and concluded with Joel Schumacher. Yeah, so thank you guys for joining me tonight for Batman Forever. Where do we begin? I'll begin here, Mike. I, even as a kid, was like, the fourth one should be called Forever, not the third one. Play on words. It should have been just Batman 3 or something like that. And the fourth, or Batman and Robin, this should be Batman and Robin. Robin joins him in this one. And and Batman and Robin should be Batman Forever. Bat family. The Bat fam. What about Batman? Let's start with that in general. What is your history with him in comics or television and media and all that? Kyle, I'll start with you. You know, we talk a lot of Marvel on this show together, but rarely yeah. do we get into the DC publishing kind of stuff. You know, we, we, we're not just in another universe. We're in a whole other nexus of reality right now as far as comic book characters. So I'm, I'm interested to know your history with the Batman well, DC in general, I'd say. So I know I, I've never I've never read a single like comic in my life. I guess besides, I picked up the full like book of the Watchmen, which okay. I don't even think I read all of that because I skipped the pirate shit because I don't care. Animated series, that's where like my fandom lies as far as DC, and that's and definitely toys, like and toys. You were you had the toys. Toys I had growing up were Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Hook, and Jurassic Park. No McDonald's toy ever. Not of uh, like a Bat Batman. No, nothing like that. I think maybe like when like these movies came out, maybe like a glass or something. You know. Yeah, Brian. We will talk about toys. A new word, a term was coined during the creation of these movies called toyetic. Toyetic. Oh, it comes from this. I didn't realize that. I'm very familiar with the term. Joel Schumacher said it was the first time he ever heard the word, and I'm pretty much sure it's traced back to the production of these movies. Boy, that's a man after uh, George Lucas's heart. Uh, quickly, quickly, on Toyetic, very much a term used in the wrestling industry for uh, certain people's gear and stuff, right? Like a wrestler wants to create Toyetic gear often because it's more marketable. So sorry. Exactly. More marketable, uh, more variety. So you don't just get Batman in his suit, but you get him in his snow gear. You get him in his underwater gear. You get the bat jet that turns into the bat boat that shoots Batman out of it and everything. Like all these things are very much in line with uh, what we see with toys and stuff. Uh, yeah, no. So um, growing up, DC, definitely the animated shows. I don't know if I saw a Batman movie before I started watching the animated series. Okay. I really can't pinpoint when I started watching the live action Batman. Really? I was always indifferent to them. I, I didn't like grow up loving um, superhero movies. I think the first like, I guess the first X-Men is like when I started getting into superhero movies. You know, I'd seen them before then. Yeah, I don't know. Like n none of them ever particularly landed with me. But I did the, I don't know. I just always loved the Batman animated series. It's weird. I just always watched this, like Saturday morning cartoons. I always watched those. Watched Superman when Superman started. Watched Batman Beyond, definitely. Yeah, was a great show. Big fan of Batman Beyond. So that was the love of Batman. Like it wasn't really like the first Batman that I truly enjoyed. It was like Batman Begins as far as live action. Well, I mean, that cartoon is 
amazing. I mean, I was a I was a teenager when it was on, and I would come home from high school and watch it. Like it, it's a great show. I still watch it. It's on HBO Max now. I put on an episode now and then. I, I discovered Batman through cartoons and stuff with the Super Friends show in the early '80s. You know, I'm a, a little <laughs> uh, I'm a little bit older than you guys, but I also had the Adam West stuff, right? So I had this live action interpretation as well. So I feel very sort of fortunate about that. That by the time Tim Burton came around with these new films, it was a very refreshing, different kind of take on it. Uh, but you guys kind of came around and, and there were already a couple Batman iterations for you to kind of, uh, you know, enjoy and everything. Yeah, well, the first Batman, first Tim Burton was 1989. Batman 89, do I remember coming out? No, but I remember the VHS release. That was probably the first VHS I ever, not physically saw, like watch the movie, but like, Mike, you probably remember this because you were more conscious at the time. Batmania. Bat mania. People went nuts, especially I was still living in Queens. I was a little kid. People went fucking nuts when the Batman tape came out. You watched the Tim Burton first Batman as like a four-year-old? I didn't say I watched the tape. I said that people were going apeshit to buy the tape. It was uh, on the background and like parents were watching it and stuff. People would come over like, yo, you have Batman? Oh my God. And they would come over to your house and watch Batman. It's wild because that was around the time where VHS started becoming very affordable, very affordable. It had gotten to a point where mass production and everybody had a VHS player at that point. You know, the 80s was a bit of a hurdle to get over. And then by the 90s, it's like everybody was buying it and renting it and had one. Yeah, and I remember when Batman Returns came out. Again, did not see it in the theater. But the big thing when Batman Returns came out was, could you get the bootleg? And when I say the bootleg, you know, this was uh, old school, right? But the bootleg was literally a dude sitting in the back of the theater with his VHS camera. Like that Seinfeld episode. Yeah, Kramer. Yeah, exactly. And I remember we we had the bootleg. Um, I watched it years later, the bootleg, because I wanted to see what it was like. And it just had Batman with the white, you know, like a white label. And drawn in Sharpie was the bat symbol. Not worth it, but people went so apeshit for for the first Batman that when Batman Returns came out, people legit just wanted to know what happened. This doesn't exist anymore because of the technology we have, but um, that Keaton Batman was so big, so important. By the time this came out, again, did not see this in the theater, but did remember the toys from uh, whatever, Burger King, McDonald's, whatever it had, right? Did remember the toys in Toys R Us, um, I wasn't big in getting those toys. I was into other toys. But I distinctly remember family friends renting Batman Forever and, you know, when they rented Batman and Robin as well. The Nolan ones I was into when they came out, less so now. I'm definitely not a big fan of that series mm. now. Uh, just saw The Batman and Batman 66. Yeah, that. What's that? Uh, the Adam West one. Oh, that's what that's called? Oh, okay. It's, it's just called Batman, but it, it, it's referred to as Batman 66 because that's the year the series came out. And that, I would catch those occasionally. They would run them on like rando channels, you know? But yeah. uh, there was a point where I think it was like Nick at Night or TV Land started running them all. And I remember one Saturday, like literally watching them all. That I love that Batman 66. It was so dumb, but so fun. And I like I love the cast because I'm you know from Rocky Big Bridges Meredith fan. I love uh, what's his name Caesar Romero. And, Caesar Romero uh, as Joker, you know. And I'll say it even as weird as it is because she was probably an old lady at the time. Yvonne Craig in that show as a uh, Batgirl, hot. Oh yeah. Are you a big Aunt Harriet fan? I feel like she hasn't come back yet. She lived with Batman and Robin and there were a lot of the old people characters. She was strictly there so that the audience didn't think Bruce and Dick were a couple. She's basically adult supervision. That helps. You live with your freaking old lady aunt. You're not gay. Come on. <laughs> Kyle, did you see The Batman? Did you have a chance to see the new one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The new, the, the latest one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk a lot more about that in a bit, but there is sort of an Aunt Harriet Easter egg in that. Really? Yeah. They live with like an old lady who, who comes in every once in a while. Yeah, who says, like, oh, I've been trying to get to you all day. Oh, yeah, okay. Mr. Pennyworth, the mail's arrived or whatever and stuff. And I was like, and Harriet? That series really inspired the Batman 89 series. Like, even though 
It was much darker, obviously, and very different. The conscious memory that people had of Batman was not really the comics. I mean, some people did, obviously. The animation to an extent, but at this point, when we're talking forever. But Batman was Adam West with his paunch and puns and silliness. So Burton blows that out of the water with 89 and then of course batman returns which i just recently rewatched batman returns one of the best batman movies i've recently been doing sort of a dive back into the material because of the new the batman the movie and it's funny because batman returns and batman forever both have elements in the new movie that pop up again and stuff so far as catwoman penguin riddler but yeah, I, I actually did see this in theater. I think I've seen all of the Batman movies in theater except for the Adam West one. I remember going to see the Oh well, okay. That first Yeah, I know. Well, I'm just saying. It's like I didn't get to see it at, you know, a revival house or anything one day. It wasn't playing at the draft house and I missed it. But that would have been cool. But man, it's crazy because not only there, there was a basically two references at this point for Batman. And the main one was that Adam West show because it was on the tales of the comics in the 50s. And then the comics didn't really change all that much until the late 70s and 80s. And then there was a drastic shift when Frank Miller came out with The Dark Knight Returns in 1984-85. And that's where you get this new, dark, gritty aesthetic for Batman. He stops wearing blue and gray with the big bullseye yellow circle on his chest. And he starts going into the, you know, I'm wearing all black kind of mode and Gotham City really gets scary and is turned into uh, much more of like this psychotic maze of back alleys and dangerous villains. I never associated Adam West with the word vigilante. You know what I mean? Because he wasn't. He was Batman was the detective. And then he was turned into the vigilante. And that's fine. You know, I think he can occupy both worlds and straddle that or, you know, have one foot in each world or both in both feet in one world for a while, whatever. It all works out. But whatever kind of momentum I feel Burton had after the second movie going with the look and the mood and the tone, whatever he had was completely kind of completely burned off by the time Schumacher came along. And from what I hear, he did his best to sustain the darkness, but there was more of a mandate to say, well, it's time to shift back to that brighter, you know, Adam West era. You know, they really were trying to go in reverse for these last two movies, it seems. And they have some merit, but I remember just sitting there in the theaters and the first words out of their mouth, I was like, all right, I know exactly what this is going to be. <laughs> I know exactly what this is. And something happened and I don't understand. I found it so crazy in doing the research for this episode that I, I always thought that like Tim Burton didn't want to return. I didn't realize that he was essentially fired. He wanted Nick Cage as a scarecrow, right? He wanted Nick Cage as a scarecrow and Batman Returns. It didn't do as well as they wanted it to do. It did wildly. It was wildly successful. They wanted it to be more successful than Batman. Yeah. You know what they really wanted, though, Brian, that they didn't get? Toys. Yes. McDonald's was furious that the Penguin was a mutant monster man that bit people's noses off. And Catwoman <laughs> was a sexy feline S&M lady that wanted to hump Batman. Like, they were mad they couldn't sell anything in that movie as toys except maybe the cute little penguins that had missiles on their back. You know, like, it was not, as they say, toyetic. No, and Schumacher originally, I was reading, just, you're right, wanted to continue that Burton legacy, but every like script he was submitting was getting rejected. I'm a huge Michael Keaton fan. He's one of my favorite actors of all time, and he had originally signed on for forever, but as they kept changing the script, he was like, I don't know if I could do this. You know, this feels like a different kind of movie, and unfortunately, that's what we got. I've heard the, and I think it's even the Wikipedia page that released the Schumacher cut, because apparently there's like a potentially a better cut of this movie that's a little grittier. I don't know how gritty it could get. But yeah, I don't think we'll ever know for sure. Joel Schumacher, RIP, passed away, unfortunately, not too long ago. So uh, whoever puts it together, it'll be their vision, not not his pure vision. But there are a ton of deleted scenes on the Blu-ray. I did not have a chance to watch them all this time, but I've seen them all before. And it still looks the same, but I could imagine that extending certain scenes, uh, editing, the magic of editing, changing the score around. There's definitely a way. Color saturation. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, the, the, the final Jim Carrey costume is horrendous. I love that final costume, Kyle. I was going to write that's one of my favorite Riddler oh, costumes. Hate- 
I hate it so much. And that's not me saying I love this new Riddler of the Batman. I actually quite like the costumes in here, but I'm saying what I think would have worked better is like by the end of the movie, they could have made it in a way where now we're transitioning into more of a light affair. You know, they could have at least started this where we left off instead of starting it in a completely different tone altogether. It, it is a bit of a whiplash. Yeah, I agree. And the fun- it's funny that you say that, Kyle, because like, the costumes at the time were like applauded. A lot of the acting, especially from the villains, was applauded. See, like, I, like, I don't know, I re- I'm not trying to be like an ass on this episode or play like a heel of some sorts, but like, I'm not trying to be like an ass about like this movie or whatever, but I, I just remember being a kid and watching this movie and like hating the colors, like hating that, like, not that I was a fan of, uh, mm-hmm. like a diehard fan of the first two ones, but I was like, this is ridiculous. Why the fuck is Two-Face's, half of his face pink? Oh, yeah, 100%. And then the costumes, like, Jim Carrey is, like, a great choice, but then, I don't know, it just got too silly. I only really like the Riddler's costumes because I love the Riddler's costumes. Like, I loved Frank Gorshin as a kid doing the Riddler yeah. thing, and this is a total ripoff of that. But it's garish. Like, it is over the top. It is It is an eyesore at times, and the Batsuit is terrible. There's nipples on the Batsuit now. Not as bad as uh, Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin, Joel Schumacher was like, let's just make this homoerotic as fuck, and I love it. I, I think that that was an interesting take, you know, through the lens of, of a gay man. You know, I think that Batman can be interpreted. There's a lot of stuff to mind. Like, I think there's there's a very good point of view there that hasn't been seen before. I just... And Kyle, to, to make it clear, I don't agree that all the villain work is good. I don't like Two-Face at all in this film. That's nothing against Tommy Lee Jones. I love the Riddler. I do like the outfits for the Riddler. I think they make sense. But at the time, what was shit on was the CGI, just the general story, the lack of darkness that people had expected from the previous films. The movie did insanely well. But almost everyone who went to the theater, and me, even me as a kid, I didn't like this movie, and I didn't like the next movie. I watched it because it was Batman. It was something to do with my friends. But I didn't like the movie. It, It wasn't very memorable. It was just like, oh, cool toys like it just felt like a long commercial for toys then and now i watched these with my nephew when he was growing up and and he doesn't really like this one but he likes the next one really it's almost as if joel schumacher figured something out in a weird way about this particular formula that works better for kids in the next outing somehow i don't know if it's arnold you know i don't know if it's Clooney, but yeah he always liked the one with mr freeze more when he was a little kid now he's seen the batman and he's you know more growing up and stuff he's a big fan of everything but yeah it's weird because i wouldn't think that kids would necessarily enjoy this either it's more of just like kind of a throwback for the adults that remember the wackiness of the old days um why don't we go through this cast a little bit i'm very interested to hear your take on some of this cast their takes on some of these characters let's start with our main man himself batman bruce wayne now kyle i'm really interested in your take on this i know you love val kilmer i mean we all love val kilmer but you've met Val Kilmer, you've seen him in person. How do you feel about his portrayal of Batman in this movie? Um, I, I think it's good. It's not great. He makes a good Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I was never particularly in love with it. And then definitely watching that uh, Val Kilmer documentary, and I you know, heard some things before the documentary, but just how he just did not enjoy it. And it was kind of ended up being like a nightmare kind of job for him. Really? I didn't see the documentary. So whatever you can tell us about that. As always, it has a lot to do with the costume and not being comfortable, not being able to turn your neck and not being able to emote certain things, which, you know, I can at least sympathize with any actor that that's like their job. And that's what Robert Pattinson was being applauded for was like the most emotive uh, with his eyes, because that's what you really need to do in the role, especially with uh, the Batman being the most Batman on screen in any Batman movie. So, yeah, it was just it was just things of that nature with Val Kilmer. I at least that I remember, you know, recall from the documentary. But yeah, like I didn't necessarily think he had like chemistry with uh, too many people. I'm also not a big Nicole Kidman person. In general, I don't think she has great chemistry with too many people. And her in her recent turn, in her recent turn as uh, the AMC representative, I fucking hate those commercials. We finally get to go back to theaters and I'm in the theater already. Why have to give me a commercial for AMC? I like Nicole Kidman. Not everything she does. 
but I, I like her as an actor. I just think these parts for women are terrible. You know what I mean? They're just like swooning women left and right. But in terms of Val Kilmer, I'm kind of torn about him. He's a very understated Batman. He's definitely not Michael Keaton, and he's not that character. He feels like a, like a different character. It's weird. Oh, and the suit. That's what I wanted to mention. Mike, did you read that about the suit? How they just assumed Michael Keaton was going to be in this movie? And for months, they were crafting a suit based on Michael Keaton's measurements. And then he suddenly wasn't in the movie, so they had to pivot to the Val Kilmer suit. Oh, you know what's really weird? I don't know about Ben Affleck, but I definitely know for both Christian Bale and Robert Pattinson, they used the Batman Forever bat suit. From what I heard is that, yeah, all the new Batman screen tested with old bat suits on from this era. I wasn't sure which movies each of them used. Wow. I At least I always read whenever it's an article, it always says Batman Forever. Maybe because, like, they had to kind of make the suit fast, that it's more of like a one-size-fits-all suit rather than, (laughs) like, a a customized suit. My main feeling about Batman is the suit makes the man. Like, anyone can, for the most part, everybody pulls off Batman. It's Bruce Wayne that's tough. As far as Val Kilmer in this, so different. Michael Keaton played Bruce Wayne with his understated lack of confidence all the time. But this Bruce Wayne just feels like oblivious to problems. Like you mentioned like chemistry earlier, Kyle. Like, yeah, I don't feel like him and Robin have any chemistry. I don't feel like him and Dr. Chase Meridian have any chemistry. And she's supposed to fall in love with him and Batman. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, And she doesn't seem to be in love with either of them, really. The chemistry is sorely lacking in this film. And just to your point, Mike, with the Keaton one, like Keaton's Bruce Wayne felt like he was most comfortable under the suit. And when he had to pretend to be Bruce Wayne, it was super uncomfortable for him. To be that playboy was weird for him almost, right? Like this one, it just, I'm not dissing Val Kilmer. I, I like Val Kilmer, but it's just like, he just feels like a different guy. And I know, obviously it's third time's a charm today. This is considered the trilogy, but there are some, I believe there's one comic book that says this, but there's also some really real big nerds in the fandom who believe that this is a different Batman than the Keaton Batman. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard that, that even this and the Clooney Batman are, are from a different universe. Yeah. Well, nowadays with your uh, multiverses and everything, anything can be possible. But back then, the only the, the one thing that would give you the argument for is Alfred. So he becomes the uh, Q of like James Bond, how there was always the same Q up until John Cleese took over. I couldn't imagine this Batman meeting, say, you know, uh, Christian Bale. We'll have to talk about the Dark Knight Rises uh, on another day some point. Well, Kyle, you and I did this off air. I also did this on my show a little bit. With Adam West counting, what is your Batman ranking of live-action Batmans? Don't count the animated Batman. Well, that's my favorite, so not including that. Christian Bale. He's your number one. Yeah, he's my number one, yeah. He's my favorite Bruce so far. Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, Michael Keaton, Robert Pattinson, Val Kilmer, George Clooney. I think mine is Keaton, Pattinson, I guess Bale's my third, Affleck, Kilmer, Clooney. But I like Clooney as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, it's tough. It's like mine is all over the map. I love what Affleck does, especially in the Justice League um, Schneider cut. I think it's that's a great Batman portrayal in there. Uh, yeah. I love a lot of what he does in Batman vs. Superman as well. I think Ben Affleck, my biggest hang-up with a lot of actors i guess since the animated version one's my favorite ben affleck looks the most like batman in my mind and then christian bale in batman begins looks the next most like batman in my mind because he got he, he was bulky and i okay so the comics he's he's not bulky in or whatever but like i just always think of like this like top head like all, all those animated figures were like very trapezoidal torsos i really liked robert pattinson i liked the suit because it definitely made him look bulky the fact that he didn't bulk up and that's not I'm not trying to get into this world of actors need to bulk up do what's healthy for you he just doesn't look like batman in my mind when he's over that giant map of the question mark and everything like that i'm just like yeah this is like batman looks like robert pattinson but in in the recent comics he's like comparable to that bruce in the in the more recent comics which is what they were going for but you know what i read today that i thought was really funny that the animated show kyle they tried to base that off of michael keaton's batman but it doesn't feel like that to us 
No, not in the slightest. No. To me, I, I I almost took it as the continuing adventures of that Batman. Like it felt it felt very close to me aesthetically and story wise as far as villains and their portrayals and things. But it actually became more grounded. And that's why, I mean, in the end of the day, when people, they want, you know, they want to go with the grounded version or just like, and then live action, they go silly. And I, you know, I don't like the colors and everything like that. That's why, I mean, they come from comics. They just kind of, at least for Batman in this case, to me, when something goes back closer to its roots, just even as far as Star Wars and the most recent Star Wars being successful, our animated series and even TV shows. So they're going back to like a serialization, what inspired episodic, what inspired original star wars i think it just lands way better so as far as the animated series and having continuation stories that's also my biggest problem with most movies is that even if i love when a villain isn't killed off like that's why i loved about the dark knight versus michael keaton's batman i love that the joker's like we're gonna be going at this forever but on an animated show you get to return and return it but that's that's what i want adventures well then then you'll really like batman 66 the villains return all the time. Yeah, I used to watch that, like you said, on whether it was TV Land. Land. Yeah, exactly. One of those. My wife's sitting next to me. So, Nicole, who's the hottest Batman? Val Kilmer. See, Batman Forever. The only blonde Batman. There you go. Blonde Batman. Is he the Daniel Craig of the universe? <laughs> I like that. Well, let's keep going with the cast a little bit because I want to get into some Riddler action. Let's talk about this Mr. Jim Carrey character guy. He is off the hook if i didn't know better he's doing all the cocaine i know he's not i know that's not but i'm just saying like i've never seen him this off the wall what are you talking about mike have you seen the mask i just feel like that is different in some way but you're right but he's just doing more of the mask here like that's another problem jim carrey was so hot at this point like it just this isn't his like hot streak where like i would get in trouble at school and i'm sure i'm not the only kid who just Doing Jim Carrey shit at school. What were you doing? Talking with your butt? Stuff like that, yeah. So Jim Carrey's great in this role. But what it pisses me off at times, it feels like every single line is striving to be a catchphrase. And that's not his fault necessarily. That's the writer's fault. The first line in this movie is something like Alfred asking Batman if he should pack a lunch. And he's like, I'll get drive through. Just it's from the start. I was waiting for the product placement of him going to like a KFC or something in the Batmobile or like a Burger King, like, oh, two Bat burgers with a Bat bat fries and stuff like i thought that was gonna happen i was shocked that it did not happen by the way well food films food scenes (laughs) yeah i do remember like the cup whether it was mcdonald's or burger kings and the giant the giant question marks i remember are you a fan of the jim carrey kyle when you were a kid did were you allowed to watch his flicks did you think he was funny um so i was looking at his imdb to remember because he had that like ginormous year in 94 with like dumb and dumber the mask and ace ventura and then so this is the next one and that's ace ventura when nature calls the mask might have been the first jim carrey movie i ever saw and so this was probably (laughs) this was probably the second somebody stop me (laughs) yes we get it it's the mask yes (laughs) kyle we always talk about this but the bruce almighty thing so like jim carrey's kind of making like a little mini comeback with bruce almighty so they're really forcing the lines in that film what's the line that like they really want it's good yeah yeah they really want it It, it's good in that film and no one no one said it (laughs) but yeah so wait what was your am i a fan of jim carrey in this movie yeah, and what are, what are your thoughts on Riddler and, and everything here? And do you do you like the uh, his plan? The plan felt the, like the most like cartoony kind of like I like you know I like, I like a silly villain plan. So and any do- well, uh, TV rots your brain. Oh yeah, that's definitely like of its time and everything like that. And the box isn't even a shape of a box. It's like uh, two triangles. It looks like um it looks like a <laughs> coffee maker or something filled with popcorn. I, you know, I like Jim Carrey doing that version of the Riddler. I think the Riddler is a very hard and not one of my favorite like Batman like villains. So it's a like it's a hard one to to pull off. Kind of uh, like I said, it's not like I'm a huge fan of this new one. Yeah, this this new one went hard. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> it's really interesting. As far as this one is like flamboyant, like the the new Riddler is just like fed up with all of your shit. No more shit. No more lies. 
uh, as he says. Yeah, I mean, this new Batman, as Scorsese movies were to Joker, David Fincher is to the Batman. The Riddler and the Joker are so close. You know, it's a tough one. It's like almost like the Riddler's just a little more in control, but the Joker is more widely. Well, the Joker is a stand-up comedian, right, who failed and... The Riddler is a computer nerd. That's that's what I've learned. Yeah, I want to I want to quickly go through some of the parallels between this movie and the new one, since it's kind of a remake of this movie in a lot of ways. Is it? No, but I've got at least oh, four. Okay, I was like, what did I miss out on? <laughs> <laughs> you loved Batman Forever. Now, the new version with the guy from Twilight, the guy from the Girl Next Door, Little Miss Sunshine. Both movies have a scene that takes place on Halloween. Both movies have the Riddler using these like crazy greeting cards. Both movies, Batman is working with the cops. And in both movies, uh, Alfred sort of gets caught in a bomb explosion. (laughs) True, true. Uh, Those are all the similarities I found. I don't know. Uh, Paul Dano and Jim Carrey, they look like they could be related, I guess. Their characters couldn't be more different. Yeah, I just, uh, to just quick go back to that, like, Riddler v. Joker or just comparison. Like, I just always thought of the Joker as the more vicious Riddler. Like, the Joker, in my mind, the Joker will always kill. The Riddler more, like, taunts slash, like, traumatizes and, like, it's just like they're all equally as bad. Now it's just their success rate. I I feel like the Riddler kills for a point and the Joker is just wild uh you know like he, he's <laughs> good fun but like he's indiscriminate like the riddler has targets you know like the mayor the da and things like that but the joker's just like i'll just kill that lady walking her kids to school oh he's an agent of chaos yeah uh, what about uh mr lee jones here let's talk about two-face mike you have to say you have to say the obligatory billy d williams fact that he like makes money off all these movies because they cast Tommy Lee Jones instead of Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams played Harvey Dent in Batman 89. I don't think he showed up in the second one. I think the idea was they replaced him with Christopher Walken's character. Like he was going to be Two-Face by the end of that movie, but something happened with rewrites and whatnot and the studio intervention. And so Max Shrek is the stand-in for Harvey Dent, who I believe was going to be a crooked DA and team up with the Penguin and have him run for mayor. And then at the end, get scarred in the sewers and emerge by the end as Two-Face for the next. Uh, None of that happened on screen, but it did happen in comics and in an animated cartoon, I believe. Billy D. Williams was a voice in Lego Batman. So who's your favorite? Who do you like better? Aaron Eckhart versus Tommy Lee Jones versus Billy D. Williams. Well, we didn't get to see the Billy D. Williams. Well, we did in Lego Batman. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Okay, yes. I I suppose we did. (laughs) I kind of had issues with the Christopher Nolan one just because, like, it felt like they squeezed him in there, you know? I just really wish that they had saved him a little longer or a little more, introduced him earlier. Uh, Not to say that I like this one, though. This one is out of control. I will mention it because it was supposed to be the third one. So to, uh, the rumor was that he's supposed to survive the end and really be the big bad. Maybe they would have brought another villain for the third Nolan Batman as well. And then the Joker was supposed to be kind of like a Hannibal Lecter and he was going to, and Batman was going to be going to Arkham and the Joker was supposed to be kind of like helping him like capture Two-Face. Two-Face in this doesn't feel like two different people. He just feels like a maniac. Like, that's my main issue. What do you mean? He's split in half, Mike. How is he not two different people? He's got got an evil girlfriend and a nice Drew Barrymore girlfriend. Dan Colon and I just did the remake of Phantom of the Opera with uh, Claude Rains for The Monsters That Made Us. And this is what he looks like in that. He gets, uh, Claude Rains gets acid thrown in his face. And this is what the Phantom ends up looking like. I wondered if it was the inspiration for Two-Face at one point. That's interesting. I'm a big Marvel guy. I'm definitely more Marvel than DC. I don't know if they're the coolest villains, but I think Batman has the most iconic villains of any series. So Batman and then as far as Marvel, it would be Spider-Man for sure. But Batman even, I think, trumps it. Peacemaker's neighbor will tell you the same thing. He's like, he's got the he's got the best cadre of supervillains out there, right? <laughs> <laughs> we do need to talk about Chris O'Donnell for a minute. A minute? Please talk about this because I have so much to say, but I want you to talk about it. I don't have a lot of information about this, but from what I always heard, from even when this movie came out, Robin was supposed to be Marlon Wayans. And Marlon Wayans signed a multi-picture deal and even got paid 
for this movie and the next movie. And from what I understand, gets residuals to this day and never step foot on set or in front of the camera. I think there might be screen tests or photos or something somewhere. So I've never seen them. I've never, you know, they've never come up or anything. But from what I always heard, Robin was always going to be Marlon Wayans. We totally forgot this fact that I wanted to say about the Riddler. I'm sure you read this, Mike. That Michael Jackson was, like, petitioning and begging to play the Riddler. Oh, well, yeah. What was his two big things? He really wanted to be Peter Pan and Hook, and then he wanted to be Riddler. And then same thing, Robin Williams was almost the Joker, right? At one point, yeah. yeah, I've even heard he was almost Riddler at one point, too, for the Christopher Yeah, Nolan and then movie. he was almost also the comedian as well. Yeah, exactly. All the like Robin Williams has come very close to the franchise. So uh, Robin Williams was discussed. It was very possible. A lot of people like John Malkovich, Kelsey Grammer was even mentioned. I'm reading a list right now. Phil Hartman, Steve Martin, Adam Sandler, Rob Schneider, which what? But Michael Jackson was positioning hard. You know who else was positioning hard? And I mentioned it for a cheap plug for my show. Matthew Broderick really wanted to play the Riddler. He was petitioning super hard to play the Riddler. Obviously, he didn't get the role. I don't know if I could even picture that. There's a villain called, like, the Bookworm or something like that. Maybe he could be that. He ended up being the worm guy, Nick Totopoulos. That is wild about MJ. I never heard that about him. <laughs> he did go on to play Captain EO. Maybe we'll get to that at some point. Back to Robin. I want to say this, Mike. This is the people who were considered for Robin at the time. You're, you're totally right, as I'm reading it on the Wikipedia page, and we know that's all facts. Marlon Wayans had been cast, got the bag, and wasn't in it. But then... When the script was being retooled, here was a list of people, aside from Chris O'Donnell. <clears throat> I love this list. This list makes me so happy. So Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg, Ewan McGregor, Jude Law, Alan Cumming. That's my favorite. Christian Bale, ironically. Kyle, I like Alan Cumming because he was in the Munich Circus as the human nightcrawler. <laughs> yeah, that's Kurt Wagner. <laughs> Kurt Wagner. Scott Speedman from Felicity, of course. But, Mike, this is why I'm getting so excited. <laughs> Corey Haim. Was on the short list. Not a good period for Corey Haim, as we know. Would have revived his career, though. That would have been awesome. I, I should probably save this for your show, Brian, for, for our two Corey's episodes and stuff. But I finally nailed Corey's, Corey Haim's energy. And it's young Shia LaBeouf. Oh. He has that same fucking energy that made Shia like a star and shit. It's like, I feel it coming out of Corey Haim. So maybe that maybe that's the it factor kind of thing, but I don't know. I could see Shia in another world as the Robin, right? Like if that was made during the time oh, that the, yeah. the fourth Indiana Jones was made. Have you done The Last Crusade? Not yet. Oh my God, Mike. Might, might have to be the final episode. Might have to record it, put it in a vault, time seal it, and then bring it out when the time is right. Put it in the vault. Put it in that like CIA warehouse with the Ark of the Covenant. That's what you need to do. Mike, your girlfriend's name Robin. Did you watch this with her? Were you like, oh, this is us? It was tough to watch. Like we were watching it. I was like, how you doing? We could turn it off at any time. She's like, yeah, I want to turn this off. There could and should be a female Robin. I like that. Yeah, I feel like the closest we'll ever get to that for still a while is um, Hit Girl. Nice. Great call. Right. Hey, best Batmans. Nick Cage as Big Daddy, quite possibly. Yeah, very inspired by Adam West. I guess, Mike, you wanted to tell us favorite moments in the movie. Let's do a scene-by-scene -scene breakdown of all the... <laughs> I'm just joking. So it's almost time to go. <laughs> no, I, ha I have things. I, I have so much I need to share with the world. Really? I'm just going to run through my notes quick, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit me with whatever we haven't covered yet. There's something I'm saving for the end. Is it, would it happen to be a kiss from a rose? Yes. All right, we'll do it now. The soundtrack is kick-ass. I didn't own this one. I, I do now. Well, not yet. Tomorrow I will. This soundtrack was so killer when it came out. One of my biggest regrets that Kiss from a Rose is not my wedding song. So, quick story about this song. Well, what a wedding song should be the Batman theme. Not Prince's Bat Dance. Or Party Man from that soundtrack. Party Man. Okay, so this soundtrack uh, kicked ass, but this was the era where they didn't care if the songs were in the movie, right? Like the songs just playing the credits. There's U2 song that got really popular from the soundtrack as well. If you look at the artists on this soundtrack, oh my God. This is a soundtrack for everybody. <laughs> Let's see. U2, PJ Harvey, Brandy, Seal, Massive Attack, Eddie Reader, The Offspring, Nick Cave, Method Man, uh, Michael Hutchins from NXS does The Passenger, which is an Iggy Pop cover. Um, Flaming Lips are on this. And it's produced by the RZA from Wu-Tang Clan. What? what the 
hell is what? this? That's what I'm like, I had to buy it. I had to buy it. <laughs> the RZA is the produce there. That's like ridiculous. That sounds like the most 90s anything I've ever heard of ever. I remember this was a friend of mine's in high school slash college's ringtone for his girlfriend. And uh, in college, we had a, a, a night of libations and he was passed out on the couch. And like, you know, we're all kind of passed out or just sleeping, if you will. And it was like nonstop kiss from a rose because his girlfriend was calling him wondering if he was okay. <laughs> remember when ringtones were like a thing? Like this was. Like- yeah, yeah. I had uh, William Shatner saying, pick up the phone. <laughs> I had I had uh, Dayman from It's Always Sunny. Hey, so Brian, no Nirvana on this soundtrack, huh? There's nothing like. Uh... <laughs> nope, sorry. Didn't that just make like their catalog hit like something? I don't know. They started selling a bunch of albums again. Nirvana, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's to me. That's what the power of of one song in your movie does. Batman is Bruce Wayne. These TikTokers, I, I love the young generation, love the Gen Zers, love these TikTokers. I love when they, I almost said shit talkers, TikTokers. I don't like them. I love when they rediscover stuff. It's really cool. And I think probably with this, they rediscovered that. But like, you know what rejoined the charts last week? It has nothing to do with this movie, but I feel like talking about it. Madonna's, what song was it? Frozen? You know that song? Because TikTokers rediscovered it. But every like two or three weeks, they'll find a song that they never heard before, go apeshit, and then that artist will get paid again because the song will be played on the radio. So I love when you watch the videos again of these kids are like, oh my God. They're like, it's like blows their mind. It's super cool because like that happened to like me as a kid, but no one was filming it. You know what I mean? Or I wasn't filming myself being like, oh my God, 8675309, it's a song about a phone number. I actually had that moment, but I didn't film it on tiktok regardless i'm happy for i'm happy for the nirvana they don't have enough fame but i'm happy they're just nirvana not the nirvana oh so mike right before this i didn't get to listen to it but the method man song on this batman forever soundtrack is called the riddler and i really want to listen to it so after we we stop recording i'm going to listen to this song because i'm very curious i had to look it up since we're talking songs none of the songs got an academy award nomination bs i'm sorry kiss from marisha the five that did, the winner was uh, Colors of the Wind, Pocahontas, Dead Man Walking, uh, lyrics by Bruce Springsteen, you know, in the same, in the movie of the same name. Don Juan DeMarco, have you ever really loved a woman in Don Juan DeMarco? Oh, that's from that movie? Have you ever really loved one? Brian Adams and Robert John Lang. Okay. And then Moonlight in Sabrina, music by John Williams, lyrics by Alan Bergman. And then, uh, oh wow, you got a friend of me. Didn't that was not it was nominated, but that didn't win. So Pocahontas won. I mean, it's a great song. No, yeah, Randy Newman, bro. I know Mike loves Randy Newman. The rainstorm and the river, my brother. There goes the Batman swinging like a bat. It is great. Off the rails, just like this movie. Have you ever been kissed by? Have you ever really loved a woman? Don't kiss the birds, cause they're gonna get a thorn in your mouth and it's gonna hurt <laughs> okay okay i'm gonna continue i'm gonna go through my notes other stuff soundtrack's amazing metropolis is mentioned in the film i thought that was cool yeah yep i think in the next one it opens with uh clooney saying this is why superman works alone <laughs> uh superman doesn't work alone okay he's got an entire crew helping him lois lane Jimmy Olsen, Supergirl, Crypto. They're all out there helping. The dog. Steel. Yeah. Um, Drew Barrymore already mentioned as the uh, lighter girlfriend, if you will. And uh, Debbie Mazar as Spice. They are Sugar and Spice. Yeah. Oh, that's their name, Sugar and Spice. So Debbie Mazar, one of Kyle's favorites. I like when Robin Joy rides the Batmobile. That's fun. <laughs> I do not like when the subtitle said he did a Chicano accent while he was <laughs> joyriding it. Did not think that aged well. So quick thing about Robin and his costume. Wouldn't anyone notice that he was one of the Flying Graysons? Like, he's all over the poster. So dumb. You're right. It never occurred to me in 40 years, like, while reading the comics and stuff, that no one ever was just like, hey, wait a minute. I just saw that kid at the circus. What the fuck is going on? Why is he hanging out with Batman? 
So true. Again, especially highlighted in this film. Oh, that's where he got his colors. John Favreau's in the movie? So John Favreau has a blink and you miss it scene. I believe he's walking with Bruce Wayne when he meets Jim Carrey and they're going like through the special projects room. He's off to one side playing like an executive. He's just basically an extra. He's credited as assistant. I'm just scrolling through that. Wait a minute. Isn't that his role in the Marvel franchise? Yeah, he's basically just, you know, an extra in the Marvel movies. He's an assistant, though. He's an assistant. Yes, he's an assistant. But it's funny because he was also in Daredevil around this time with another Batman. He must have been on the set just soaking in, like, the way productions run out of control and just, like, hope that nothing I do ever turns out like this. (laughs) He's done a lot of good work. And with the stuff in Star Wars recently, it's been really good. So really easy for productions to go off the rails the bat rails, you know, very easily. I like how when um, Robin is like, oh, what should I call myself? And he goes, Bat Boy. And then he says, Nightwing. Ooh, a little, little nod to the fans. So, yes. Oh, one last thing about the Riddler, too, is his apartment is somewhat similar to the new Riddler's apartment, where it, it just with like a bunch of shit all over the walls and hardly any room to move. Lots of journals and stuff like that. But if you wanted to mention anything about the Clooney version, you know, now's the time because we're not next time we come back, it's it's going to be Christopher Nolan's universe. So if uh, this is the last time we're going to be in the Schumacher world. Yeah, but also I'm not trying to say don't talk about it, but you could bring up Batman and Robin, obviously, with Dark Knight Rises because Bane and Bane. Oh, yeah, I guess we could we could touch on it more then. But if you had anything you wanted to just get out of your system tonight, don't hold it back. I mean, Mike, you keep mentioning nipples. The nipples in that one. I don't keep mentioning nipples. Like I, <laughs> I mentioned him earlier when we were talking about the costumes. But but the nipples in that one, That the opening scene, we get the bat costume thing. But in that one, we get so many just like crotch shots at the beginning and so many nipple shots. It's a movie that I've watched late at night just for fun, like while editing Batman and Robin. And oh, this is all I'll say. And you know the answer. But guess who plays Batgirl? A high school slumber party Hall of Famer is one of my favorites, Alicia Silverstone. So yeah, and this you know Joel Schumacher, director of this, directed Lost Boys, a very Corey oh duh centric film. Little sister. Precisely, he's responsible for sexy sax man on the beach. <laughs> he's responsible for Kyle's fraternity pledge song. Kyle, any final thoughts or notes about Batman Forever that we didn't go over that you'd like to discuss? Not really. I didn't take like a whole lot of notes because I hadn't watched this movie in a long time. So I just kind of watched it. I did write down. I mean, it was nominated for a few Academy Awards songs, but it was nominated for Best Cinematography and then Best Sound and Best Effects. Best sound. There's this one point where (laughs) like Two-Face slips and it goes like whoop, 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 whoop. And like, it's all sort of cartoon sound effects. They just dug into the Warner Brothers library for My subtitles at one point when somebody fell down, it literally said in parentheses, slide whistle. Yeah, that's Oscar worthy. The sound, I don't know, but like, I'm not kidding. Like at the time, people were really applauding the cinematography in this film, as as crazy as that sounds. Oh, that's amazing. That is Oscar worthy. It is Oscar worthy. I agree. We didn't mention George Wallace as the mayor, classic comedy legend. Oh yeah. I was about to mention that before. Name another movie that he plays a mayor. Oh, I don't know, Kyle. Tell me. Little Nicky. You're right. He does play the mayor in that. Good call. What about Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon? Do you think he's the best Commissioner Gordon we've ever had? No, fuck him. I was like, I didn't realize he was Commissioner Gordon. I thought he was just a dude. Ed Begley Jr.'s in the movie. Of course, from uh, films like Best in Show and the Woody Allen romp, whatever works. Chips, the remake, one of your favorites, Mike. And, and Kyle, your favorite movie of all time, The Page Master, he is in. Kyle, when are we going to talk the page master on your Macaulay Culkin podcast? <laughs> I promise next time we will be talking something more like Thor Ragnarok, finally. I was trying to work this thing in order. I wanted to talk about a Hulk TV movie. It's very rare, apparently. Uh, so it's unstreamable. But next time we get together, Thor Ragnarok. I don't get to watch that. Uh, the death of the Incredible Hulk. How will I know what happens? We're still going to do that, Brian. After this episode, Kyle, I'm surprised you want to do anything at all with your honoriness. And you just... Well, Kyle, you have to come back and play the baby face next time. I'm ready to Ragnarok and roll. If you want me to be the heel, Mike, let's talk the Nolan one. <laughs> no needs to be... It's not like we've done heels. Dark Knight Rises, though, I'll, t- I'll be the heel. This just isn't that great of a movie. We're gonna. I'm making it a thing from now on. <laughs> Someone's got to be a heel. This movie holds zero nostalgia to me. I don't think it's that great. Everyone in the movie is far better in other movies. 
I have the same exact sentiment. It doesn't hold zero nostalgia for you, Kyle. Like, it existed in your lifetime. It has a character that is nostalgia for you. I would say 10% nostalgia. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I guess I equate nostalgia to enjoyment. I, I guess you're right. I guess you're not like, oh, I'm nostalgic for the time my grandfather passed away. The only thing that kind of comes from, I think, oh, you know what? It, wait, but it, I mean, it makes more sense for Batman and Robin. But for some reason, I think that like the cups you could get, you could get these like thicker, like ice looking mugs, which again, totally makes more sense for Ro- Batman and Robin. But for- I remember these cups. You're right. Batman Forever had them, though. I know it makes more sense for Batman and Robin, but Batman Forever had these like ice mugs. Honest to God, the only thing like outside of the movie that I think of when it comes to this movie. I love that. That that makes me <laughs> literally <laughs> that mug. That is it. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's wrap this up for tonight, and we will come back same bat time, same bat channel. But Kyle, you're not here as often. Where can the folks find you? Hear you out there on the internets? Follow me at Foodie Films Media. You know, someday Foodie Films will come back. Licorice Pizza episodes up on the Hoffcast. Yeah, exactly. We're going to do another one of those soon. Uh, we're until after the Oscars to see if it happens to win anything. But if not, we'll do kind of a uh, little just touch base on it because there's been some interviews there. So check out PSI Love Hoffman at some point. Yeah, so definitely check out that. Check out, obviously, all the other awesome shows on uh, the Cage Club Podcast Network. Yeah, check out all the episodes of Foodie Films I'm on. Most of them we're talking about cannibal movies. So I don't know how that happened. There's like two or three in there where I'm on and we're talking cannibals. Soylent Green, one of my favorite films. Cannibals and nipples, Mike. All you can ever talk about these days. Jeez, man. It's just like I can't <laughs> shut the hell up about that stuff. Brian, where can the find folks of the internet also hear your lovely voice? Well, they'll be hearing your voice a lot for our to Corey's series volume two on high school slumber parties so check that out we're currently in that phase if you will but also back in march end of march we actually had a the batman episode that i alluded to on the high school slumber party feed but hopefully by now there's a separate twilight feed that we are moving some of the twilight episodes to it was an unofficial uh high school slumber party episode but we are spinning off that show me and my co-host kate hudson to talk twilight film and Twilight adjacent films and uh, we did a cool thing we did a little bit of a if you're a Twilight fan what should you look for in the Batman and if you're the Batman fan because I know the Batman fans are so eager to hear you know what do you look for in Twilight right like merging those two worlds we also covered Spencer there so check that out a lot of fun things happening in uh, that world and uh, this will come out after the Oscars so we don't know if Kristen Stewart won or if Kirsten Dunst won, we don't know. But if they did, I'm going, you know, crazy. And if they didn't, I'm like, whatever. I'm like, oh, I don't even care about the Oscars. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. You know, there's a third Twilight movie that I've just been dying to talk about. And I'll just a little bit of a spoily. It's my favorite Twilight movie. <laughs> I've seen them all so far. I'd love to uh, come on sometime and discuss that for a crossover. We'll get you on the Twilight Slumber Party, Mike. Don't worry. And and Kyle, I don't know if you'll commit, but one day we'll get you on the Twilight Slumber Party. If you didn't like me on this episode, you'll hate me on those. I feel like, and, and Mike, you've listened to Kate Hudson certainly more than Kyle. Mike, I feel like Kyle and Kate might have chemistry. I could see that. I feel like there's a certain foodie film angle there, you know, oh, yeah. with the, with the no, vampires. I, and no, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, this is not me being an ass and saying I refuse to be on episode. All I'm saying is, like, I'm rarely like this with a movie. But if you didn't like hot takes. <laughs> is that your wrestling name? Hot takes. Hot takes, Reinfried. Oh, I like that nickname. Hot cakes. Hot, hot cakes. cakes. Hot cakes. Oh, hot cakes. Yeah. Mike, you know what I'm talking about. Even if you're pissing Kate Hudson off, you're not going to piss her off. Like, she is passionate. You are passionate. It's going to make for great podcasting. That's all I'm saying. All right. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Well, on that note, fellas, uh, I'll let you go fight crime in your own districts. Gotham belongs to me now. But thank you both. Jersey City has a new hero coming soon. I'm looking forward to that. I know know absolutely. Here's the thing. I know it's the first Marvel Live action, anything, I know zero about this character, and it's I'm going in fresh, and I'm looking forward to that. Are you going in Lewandowski cold? I'm going in Lewandowski cold. 
on Ms. Marvel. Looking forward to that. But, you know, as a Monster That Made Us fan, I'm looking forward to this Mummy Man Moon Knight, the mummy crime fight. I didn't know he was a mummy man in this. It's, that looks cool. I'm looking forward to that, too. I like Moon Knight. I know about him, but I never really made that connection that, that he's got mummy powers. All right, guys. Uh, thank you very much. Good night. Bye. No problem. That's no problem. The red light. Observe if you will. I'm in my hideout in the back of the hills. I crack a ball, then I caught her by the mill. Co-defendants Johnny Blaze and Bobby Stills. We was blazing hot wheels. Turned the corner, you can hear the wheels squeal. On that ass fast was the Batmobile. I can tell by the demon on the grill. This was real. Alley cat screaming. I had the trash can, garbage everywhere. Money buying out the bags and trying to escape. Hold on with the cake, or else he'd be headed upstate. It's the red love. That's no problem. That's no problem. Not a problem. It's the red That's no problem. That's gonna do it for another episode of Third Time to Charm. Gotta thank my bat guests for stopping by, and be sure to check out their shows on the network if you like what you hear. Kyle has Foodie Films, and Brian has High School Slumber Party, and together they host P.S. I Love Hoffman. For all the back episodes and everything else, Third Time's a Charm, you can go to at Cage Club Pod on Twitter and Instagram and cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me for all the other shows I'm involved with, like the titular Cage Club or the Monsters That Made Us, and much, much more. Be sure to check out The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, the newest Nick Cage film in theaters while it lasts. Then listen to our episode about how Joey and I got to see the movie early. So many shows for all your pop culture needs. That's cageclub.me. So until next time... That's a magic number. Three. It is. It's the magic number. Three. Three. They stubbed me, and that's a magic number. What does it all mean?